I listened to Jim's message last week. It was a good message. And some of those things that he said, you need to get hold of. And if you didn't hear it, you can listen on the website, on Spotify, on Apple apps. And it's ridiculous what you can listen to it on now. But uh, I'd encourage you to listen to that message. It was, a, it was a good and it was a timely and it was a godly message. So please pick up on that. So if you've got your Bibles, I'm continuing the theme on City on a Hill. Light in the darkness, light to a world where it's darkness. And the area I want to concentrate on today is, is, is building relationships. When I'm talking about relationships, I'm not just talking about relationships so that you can date. I'm talking about every relationship that we're involved in. From son, daughter, mother, grandmother, best friend, colleagues at work, whatever that relationship is, that's what I'm talking about this morning. But Matthew 5, 14, 16 says this. You know the verse. It's going to come up in some form there. There it is. You are the light of the world like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights up a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Now, you know from if you've been here since the beginning of the year, as I've been preaching this and the topics around it, I always ask you this question. How did you get on this week being light in the darkness? How did you get on this week being a city on a hill? How did you get on this week being light to everyone? In fact, you know what I'm going to say? I'm going to break it down even further. How did you get on this week looking out for our community? I've changed it from this community to our community. Because this is our community. This is where we live. This is where we do business. This is where we do church. So how have you gone on this week looking out for your community, looking out for your city? How have you got on this week praying for our community and praying for your city? How have you got on this, this week speaking life into our community and into our city? What about how have you got on this week sharing the gospel and the good news with our community and city? How have you got on this week when it comes to blessing our community and city? Now, I don't ask you those questions because I'm trying to condemn you. I'm asking you those questions because it's, it's relevant that we keep remembering to do those things. Why? Because there's a community, there's a city, there's people that desperately need Jesus and he's the answer to every situation. People are desperately looking for hope. It comes in Jesus. People are desperately looking for love. It comes in Jesus. And I believe that if we're doing these things... We're sharing the good news of Jesus. See, we don't always have to use our words. But you could bless somebody, and I believe that's sharing some of the good news of Jesus. We could meet somebody in that place of need, maybe cook them a meal, do something. I believe that's what Jesus would want us to do. In some way, we're showing the gospel. Yes, words are important when it comes to the gospel and the good news, but good news can be shown in actions too. There comes a point we do have to speak. And you might be sick of the next thing that I'm going to say to you, but I'm going to keep saying this until you get it. Now, I'm not saying this because I'm trying to build you up and I'm trying to encourage you, and this is good how pastor can get you on board. I'm saying this because I genuinely believe what I'm going to say next, okay? I want you to get this. This church needs you. Point to somebody. Say you. 
Point to somebody. They need you. This church needs you. Point to somebody else. You have something to offer. Point to them. We shouldn't point. I know it's not a great, but you know where I'm getting at. Point to somebody else. You can make a difference. You can make a difference. This is what I believe, that we are strong together, that together we can do this, whatever this is. Whatever God has put before us, that we can do it together. We are stronger together. There's a place for you here. There's a place that you've got something to offer, something that I can't offer, something that as we offer these things together, that's what forms a greater part of the body. Some of you might be a foot, some of you might be a hand, some of you might be an eye. My point is, is that the body functions better when it's together. When we've got each other's backs. We're supporting each other. We're walking life with each other. This is what I honestly believe. And this isn't me trying to G you up, that we can achieve anything we want to achieve if we do it together. We can achieve anything we want to achieve if we do it together. See, when it says together, when I talk about together, it doesn't say that there's any mavericks. It doesn't say that there's anybody doing their own thing. We, together, we can achieve whatever we want to achieve. Whatever God wants us to achieve, we can achieve it together. Not maverickly doing it on your own. Not thinking that you know best. Together, we can do it. And I'm going to keep telling you this, that you are needed in this place. I'm going to keep telling that you've got something to offer. I'm going to keep telling you that together we can do this. Because not because I'm trying to G you up, because I believe we can. Because I see you so highly invaluable that I can't do this on my own. That what I know is, is that we are God's hands and feet on this earth. And I am, by the time that I retire, by the time that I die... I'm going to make sure that the people that are entrusted to me are under me are people that love, are people that serve, are people that have got each other's backs, are people that do things together. We can achieve a lot on our own, but together we can achieve a lot more. I don't know what the education is in this room, but what I do know, there's a lot of wisdom in this room. There's a lot of understanding in this room. There's a lot of understanding the times in this room. And together we need to share that information. Together we need to resource that. Together we need to pull that. There's some really sharp minds in this place. Even people that you're looking at and thinking, he's not that sharp or she's not that sharp. Even pastor's not that sharp. I know I'm not the sharpest tool in the toolbox. But I know together we can do this. I know that there's somebody sharper than me that can do something better. I know that somebody can teach me something. Together we can do this. And today I want to talk about what it looks like for us to build better relationships. If we're going to be a city on a hill, going to be light in the darkness, we have to build better relationships. With the ones we love, the ones we don't love so much, with the ones that we're connected with, the ones that we're not connected with. I don't know who you are or... I know some of your stories. I don't know everything about everybody. But what I do know is that we want our relationships to work, whatever they are. If you're a Christian or non-Christian, we want our relationships to work, don't we? Because when our relationships don't work, it's hard work. I'm not just talking about your wife, your partner, your 
whoever. In any relationship, if it's not working, life becomes hard work, doesn't it? And in fact, you'll, you'll get this, I get this, that, that when my relationships are failing in certain areas, the rest of my life is failing too. Why? Because it's, it's hurting me. It's killing me. It's, it's upsetting me. It's... So today I'm going to talk just for the next few moments of how we can build better relationships. See, even if you've got good relationships, I believe this this morning, that that relationship can be worked on. That that relationship can be stronger. That that relationship can be better. Now, some of these thoughts that I'm going to give, I think the list could go on and on and on. Some of the things that we could do to make our relationships better. But I just wanted to focus on some of these things to keep us focused this morning. If we want to be a city on a hill, light to everybody in the building, better relationships is key. Hebrews 10, 24 to 25, it says this. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. We've got to be people that spur each other on. We've got to be people that are, are working towards love. And the first thing that I want to mention, in fact, you might want to put it this way, the, the building block one to what I'm talking about in building better relationships would be around love. And you know we've got this vision about loving God and loving people. And you're probably sick of me saying it. I'm going to keep saying it until we get it. I'm going to keep saying it till I get it. That we need to love God and then I need to overflow so we can love people. So don't be surprised that my first building block is, is, is based on love. That if you want your relationship to work, whatever the relationship is, we all need love to make it work. See, relationships get into trouble when we start putting love into it. Relationships become stronger the more love that we pour into it. Now, I'm not talking about the huggy, the kissy, the physical love. That's important. We all have those kind of needs at times. I, I get that. But that isn't what I'm talking about. Today I'm talking about, firstly, I want to talk about agape love or agape, however you want to pronounce it. That we need to give agape love and we need to receive agape love if our relationships are going to work well. What's agape love? Well, firstly, it's probably the greatest loves of loves. It talks about that agape love is about charity love. But actually, it goes a lot deeper than that. The agape love is actually about the love of a father for his son, for his daughter, for, for his people, for the ones that are in the world. can get no greater love than the agape love. That whatever you do, even though you've been a rotter, even though you've messed up today, or if you've been good, can't change how he feels about you and how he loves you. It's an agape love. Does he like some of the things that we do? No, not all the time. Other things he's rejoicing in and what we do. But he says, my opinion of you, my love of you, my doesn't change just because you keep messing up. Just because you start going maverick and doing your own thing. I'm glad it doesn't change. Because if, if I was God, and this is why I'm not God, I'd be like, mm, you're out of love today, son. I'm not sure about you, darling. You're definitely out of love. <laughs> but that's why I'm not God. Because his love never runs out. 
His agape love never runs out. I've been accused by people by not understanding the agape love of God. Trust me. I know the agape love of God because I know where I've been. I know where I've messed up. I know where I'm going. But I need the continuous agape love of God. A love that we don't deserve. And in our friendships, we need to put in this agape love. We need to receive it and we need to give it. A love that's of charity, but a love that's unconditional like the Father has for us. It's tough though, isn't it, love? Because if you want your relationship to work, you've got to put love into it. Whatever that relationship is, how do I love my boss? I don't know, but somehow you've got to put love into that relationship. I'm not saying go and give your boss a big hug. You can if you want, or a, or a big kiss. I've done that before. I went to a training event. I'm a hugger. Went to a training event. This woman is, is hard work. She's annoying. And I, and I didn't realise where I was. I forgot where I was. There's about 200 people there. Hey, up, dog, here's a love. All my staff around me are like, you are flipping nuts. She's trying to take money off us. She's trying to shut us down. You're giving her a love. Yeah, why not? That's what Father God does to us. Come on, then. We used to live in Wales when we were growing up. And there's the word about, come and have a cooch. Come on, Rob. Come and have a cooch. Get in here, son. Have some loving. All right, you've had enough. Come and have a cooch. And, and, and God constantly is drawing us in, saying, come and have a cooch. Oh, I can't believe, Nathan, you have messed up again. You've said those things. You've thought those things. But do you know what? Come and have a love. Come and have a cooch. You might not like that term. You might think that term's funny, but that's what Father God is actually doing to you. Another love that we need to pour into our relationship to make it really work is filio love or phila love, depending how you want to pronounce it, how you want to spell it. I'm not going to get caught up on that. I'm not going to lose any sleep if you tell me it's another way. But I'm going to explain what it is. This is the love that is like a brotherly love, a friendship love, a love that says we're going to talk best about them. We're going to big them up. Do you know what? I always say that the gossip is bad. There's one form of gossip that I really like and we should be involved in. is building each other up. Bragging on people. Not because, oh look at him, he's amazing. But because they are amazing. Not because we're just trying to put them on a pedestal. Because you're amazing, you're wonderful. You're... Let's get in a habit of having this brotherly love. And if you want your relationship to work, you've got to have agape love, you've got to have... Filio love, a love that's unconditional. You see, sometimes we think love is all about we have to agree. Sometimes love is sitting down and saying, can we have a chat? You've upset me. I've upset you. I don't know how to move this forward, but I know that we've got to love each other. We've got to love through this. Love covers a multitude of sins, doesn't it? We've got to show agape love. We've got to show filio love. And if we aren't prepared to put love in, don't expect to get love back. It's a two-way thing. It's a two-way thing. I love how Paul puts it actually in Philippians 2, 2 to 4. 
Make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, let each of you regard one another as more important than themselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. It's a long verse. Maybe you want to look that up again. Philippians 2, 2 to 4. But don't look out for yourself. Look out for other people. Don't be selfish. Don't look after your own interests. Sometimes we have to do that. But love is an interesting thing. The more that we pour out, the more we put into that relationship, the more we get back. The more we get back. Even the hardest, hardest of people want to be loved. Now, they might not want to be loved with this hug, but there's a way that they want to be loved. Just because they're hard, just because they're hard work, just because they're not that kind of remit of a person doesn't mean that you can't love them and keep pouring love in. See, love hurts though, doesn't it? Yeah, there's a cost to love. There's a cost to pouring it in. But it goes two ways. The more you put in, the more you get out. If you want your relationship to be strong, you need to be working on the love side of it. Number two, and I'm moving on fairly quickly. This is really important. Building block number two is encouragement. We, we live in a world where people are quick to put people down, are quick to criticise, are quick to say things that sound like a compliment, but they're a sideways swipe at you. And, and sadly, I'm going to look at my wife because I don't know where else to look. Sadly, this happens in the church. I know you're shocked, babe. I know. The one place that it shouldn't happen is in the church. But it does. I want us to be a church. I want us to be a people that we, we're not about criticising. We're not about putting people down. We're about building people up. Encouraging them. Generally encouraging them. You see, it's easy for me to put somebody down. It seems to roll off the tongue a lot easier, doesn't it? To put somebody down. Sometimes it's harder to build somebody up and encourage them. Well, we've got to get into the habit. You've heard me talk about keystone habits. Get into a keystone habit of building people up. Encouraging them. I believe we're called to encourage people. See, research indicates that good relationships, there is a five-to-one ratio in favour of positive encouragement over negative criticism. What's that saying? If you say something bad to me, rightly or wrongly, it takes five, maybe six, I think it's more than five actually, I think it's seven, eight, nine, maybe ten times to restore that negative thing that's been said into me, just to get you on an evil balance. It's, it's interesting, isn't it? That one sentence can bring us down, but it takes maybe 10 sentences just to bring us to a level keel again. Got to be so careful with our words. Got to be so careful what we say into people's situations in their lives. And we say things into people's lives because we think we're being helpful. Sometimes you're not being helpful. The old saying, your mum told you, your grand told you, if you've got nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all. Well, it sounds very cliche, doesn't it? It all sounds very, <laughs> I remember when my grand used to say that. It's true. Got nothing nice to say, shut up. If you can't build somebody up and you want to tear them down, shut up. Because we're not about, we're not people, if we are saved by God, we're not about pulling people down. The world's view is we put, 
people down, we get on top of their backs, we knife them in the back, we climb up the ladder, we do whatever we do because it suits us and it's better for us. We don't do that if we're God's people. If we're going to be a city on a hill, light in the darkness, we can't do that. We've got to bring encouragement to people. Ephesians 4.29, Paul emphasises the importance of building encouragement in people's lives. It's actually in Colossians 4, 5 to 6 as well. He writes a little bit about it, but he writes this. That no unwholesome word processed from your mouth, but only such a word as a good for the edification according to the need of the moment, that it may give grace to those who hear. We need to encourage and build people up on a regular basis. Build them up. Speak fondly of them. Celebrate them. We need to make people feel important. There's nothing more important than using somebody's name. Why is it important to use somebody's name? And it's no good you saying, oh, I'm terrible with names. What's your name? Because when we know somebody's name, it makes you feel valuable. It makes you feel worth. It makes you feel that somebody's paid attention to you. Isn't that right, Dave? Use somebody's name. It's a simple, simple thing. And if you're no good at remembering, make a way of remembering those names. How do I remember Adam? Careful. (laughs) It's the one with the big, beautiful head and the big glasses. No, he's not. I I know. I'm I'm, I'm scratching here. Big, beautiful head. I'm trying to build him up, but... That isn't how I remember it. I don't know why I said that. But my point is, if you can't remember the name, find out something that reminds you about them. I remember Rob. He's that cheeky one. You remember? Yeah, that's Rob. (laughs) But you know what I'm saying? (laughs) I'm digging myself a hole here. And I'm getting heckled from the front row. This is the time that I need to get elders in so they can bring people out and move them out of the church now. My point is that if we know somebody's name, it's important. It brings value. So somehow you've got to find a way of how you remember somebody's name. And it's no good saying, I'm just terrible with names. Yeah, I'm just terrible about praying for you as well when you ask for that. We laugh, but you know what I'm saying? Give somebody value. Put their name on somebody. Be friendly to somebody. Do you know what? I've seen a few times it's, it's broke out this morning and... People have smiled in church. Calm yourself. There's a couple of smiles there. A couple of sniggers. It's okay to smile at people. It's okay to have a laugh with them. Just because we're Christians, we're not got flipping two heads. Calm yourself. But smile at somebody. Do you know what? I love seeing people smile at me. Especially when I preach. <laughs> now you're giving me sympathy. You're not laughing with me, you're laughing at me now. I know how this works. But what happens when we smile at somebody? Generally, we get a smile back, don't we? Unless you're living in Luton, and I've lived in Luton, and if you smile, I think you're going to mug them. <laughs> I think there's a massive south and north divide. And up north, hey, help me, duck! Well, How are you? Down south, if you look at somebody for longer than two seconds, what do you want? (laughs) Maybe to encourage somebody, maybe you just need to smile. 
You know, sometimes I need encouraging in things that I do. I've got friends that will encourage me, that will build me up. But I've also got friends that, do you know when I, I'm going through that thing? Jen's one of these. Pull yourself together. Grow up. Sometimes that's the only encouragement that you need. Not, oh, bless you, my little lamb. That's what I get from Jen here, right? <laughs> Flipping, get your act together. What's wrong with you? Pass me that salt. But sometimes we need encouraging. We need a pep talk, don't we? Come on, you can't stay here. You can't live like this. I love you, but you can't stay here. Don't let this situation, don't, don't camp there. Don't stay there. Bad situations happen to us all the time. Things happen that we can't control. You can either choose to camp there or you can choose to move on. I want a friend that tells me to say, listen, I'm with you. I'm supporting you. I'm praying you. I've got my arms around you. You can cry on me. You can laugh with me, but don't stay there. You've got to move forward. That's how we encourage people. Maybe to encourage them, you need to understand their, their interests, their points of view. And, and I want to say this, and again, I'm not trying to condemn you this morning. If you're no good at encouraging people, learn how to encourage. Learn to build people up. If you want your relationships to be stronger and to work, learn to encourage. See what it looks like for a week. Not to put anybody down, not to say a bad word against them, not to try and fall out with them, but actually build them up and encourage them. As much as my boys can be monkeys... Why can they be monkeys? I want to encourage those boys. So in the moment when they've drawn on my wall and I'm annoyed, maybe when I take a step back, I need to tell them how great an artist they are, but maybe they should do it on something that's better than my wall. <laughs> we have things that, if you're parents, if you're grandparents, if you've been involved in kids in some way, they bring you stuff, don't they? To you, it looks like rubbish. To me, actually, I'm encouraged by that because they want to be creative. Because they want to bring something that they feel of value to, to daddy. And Jen's brutal. Things are in the recycling bin before they've even come out their bags. Me, I'm a little bit more soppy. I know, hard to believe that I'm soppy, but I'm soppy when it comes to my boys. That's brilliant. I love that aeroplane, Reuben. No, Daddy, that's a house. Okay, well, <laughs> I love that house, Reuben. <laughs> but I want to encourage them, and, and we've got to be a people that encourage them. It doesn't matter how old your kids come or the people that are involved in your life. Just encourage. No matter what age they're at, what stage they're at, just encourage. Build people up. Do you know, if you're really bad at encouragement, really, really bad, get alongside Mary Pickering. She is one of the best encouragers that I know. She's fantastic. She encourages him when life is even rubbish. She, she's the kind of woman that I would bum when I preach. And I know that's not very often. <laughs> the laughs there. True laughs. But she will come in some way. She will encourage me. Mary Pickering, sitting at the back there. Cheap seats. If you want to be a better encourager, spend time with Mary Pickering. Why? Because if, why am I picking on Mary? Because she's phenomenal at encouraging. And, and if I could get hold of what Mary's got in her and I could bottle it and I could sell it, I'd be a rich man. Because if you want to be an encourager, get alongside people who encourage. 
Don't be alongside people that put people down. Don't be part of that group that's, oh yeah, we're going to pick on that person because they look differently, because they sound differently, because they do something differently. We're not that kind of people. Get in the group that encourages. And when you encourage, you become an encourager. Got to build and encourage people up if you want to build relationships. Number three, the building block. Time's ticking and I'm, I'm trying to bring this to an end. If you want to build great relationships, you've got to show respect. Respect is an interesting thing. Yeah, you've got to earn respect. You've got to give it. But again, I think it goes two ways. See, and I, and I don't think respect is about age. I don't think it's about what you know. I don't think it's about... I think it's about in that moment, this person deserves the respect that they deserve. Now, that could be good, that could be bad. But respect that person. So right from the youngest that's in there to the oldest, how do we respect them? Finley and Reuben have got points of view on stuff because their world is being formed and being shaped by us and by God and by school and other things around. I need to respect that opinion. Why? Because it brings the person value. It brings the person worth. When we respect people, we build our relationships better. In Ephesians 4 to 31, Paul writes this, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamour and slander be put away from you, along with all your malice. If you respect people, young, old, Everybody in between, it will make the relationship better. I want to move on to this one. Building block number four is responsibility. If you want your relationship to work well, if you want your relationship to be great and do and grow, you need to take responsibility. And, and there's a couple of things to this. Firstly, you've got to take responsibility in making the relationship work. You've got to put the effort in. But also, I think this goes another way, that we've got to take responsibility when we've messed up and not push it on them. Give them, I've talked about this earlier, just in the last point, give them the respect that they deserve by you owning that you're responsible for this situation. Got to be responsible. You've got to own up. And maybe you have to sit with somebody and say, do you know what? I've been a plonker. Or whatever term that you use. Can we put this right? Can we fix this? Can we talk about this like adults? See, the problem is, we get knocked with somebody and we ain't going to talk to them. Maybe we need to be adults. Maybe we need to look at things different. Maybe we need to say, can we have a conversation? Do you know what? I messed up. And I, I'm not even sure how or why I messed up. But can we start again? And you're responsible, if somebody comes to you, to actually respond in the right way too. Because if they're making the effort to come to you and trying to build the bridge, give them a chance. Sometimes we fall in the habit of saying, well, you're going to stew a bit more. I'll talk to you when I'm ready to talk to you. You know when I'm angry and you will know I'm angry and you will know my wrath. It doesn't help build relationships 
doesn't help make your relationship stronger. Both sides have to take responsibility. Finger pointing, fault finding only magnifies problems. You know, when we get into an argument, whatever that argument is, we've got to be careful that we don't use things from the past to score. I'm trying to work hard with Jen when we fall out that we're dealing with the issue, not something that's happened before and we've already dealt with. Because what happens is, is that because we want to win at all costs, and we have to get this out of our mind, we have to get in our minds that everybody gets to win. Well, I can't believe you said that back four months ago. But that's the truth of what happens, isn't it? And you know when you took Billy to football... Oh, come on, love, that was six months ago. Yeah, well, it's got nothing to do with the point, but we want to win. <laughs> We're responsible to actually not bring the past into things. Deal with the thing in the moment. Whatever that thing may be. I believe this as well, part of this, is that we've got to break the deadlock at times. And I'm going to... What, what does that mean? That it escalates to a point we don't talk, we won't share, we, won't, we don't want them in our lives. Sometimes we have to cut off, I get that. But we have to break the deadlock. We sit thinking, stuff them, they're going to come to me. Go to them. I'm going to share some stuff later on in the notices. And some of you will understand this, life's too short to be falling out with people. Life's too short to be falling out with people. Life's too short. Do you have to love everybody? Yeah. Do you have to get on with everybody? Not really. But you can be respectful. You can be civil. Don't invite them around for Sunday lunch, are you? That's okay. You don't have to do that. But you don't have to spit on them either. You don't have to cuss them. You don't have to. See, it's interesting. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-eight. It's the famous verse that we've had around the communion table. But it talks about let a man examine himself. I think every time that we go into our, our relationships, whatever our relationship, we're responsible to examine ourselves. What's our motive in sitting down with this person? What's our motive in what we're doing? Why, why are we wanting to do this? If, if, you, if you're looking to sit down with a person to, to share love, to restore relationship, then you're on the right track. If you're looking to sit down with a person to, to correct them, to beat them up, to <coughs> tell them your peace of mind... You're on the wrong track. Now, there is a place we have to be honest. We have to share what our mind is going on, but do it in the right way. Respect them. And you're responsible for doing that in the right way. Life is too short to hold grudges. See, we need to move our deadlock to dialogue. There's always potential for more conflict, but good people with good motives need to talk and want to talk. Look for common ground, not fighting ground. Have in your head that it's about win-win. Not I'm going to destroy him or I'm going to destroy her. But how do we come out of this that we've both won? Sometimes we have to die to self. Sometimes we have to give up our view to accept their view. Can't hold grudges. Sometimes, and I hate this saying, but it's true, we have to agree to a disagree just so that you can move forward. Now, I can pull that statement apart quite a lot, actually. But the whole sentiment is that, yes, we need to agree to disagree. That Because we've got a difference of opinion, does that mean that we still can't be friends? 
Does that mean that we can't move forward? Does that mean that we can't be in some form of relationship because his opinion is different from my opinion? If it's, if it's not going to affect your well-being and your, the bigger picture of life, it's not important. He can have his opinion, I can have my opinion, and, and we can be friends. So we need to agree to disagree. We need to learn to work around the things we can't change. Some things we can't change about our relationships. Some things we can't change about people. How do we work around them? How do we play to the strengths of that relationship? Other thing of responsibility, you have responsibility to make time. And you have responsibility as well, back and forth, if you're receiving and if you're giving and the other way around, to control your emotions. What's he talking about? Well, there's no good for anybody if you are hysterical and then you're going to come down and talk. Because you're already up here. Maybe you need to take a moment. Maybe you need to walk in the garden. Maybe you just need to take a breath of fresh air or, or come back and revisit it. We need to, when we come to building better relationships, we've got to keep our emotions under control. I'm not saying we shouldn't cry on people. I'm not saying we shouldn't get mad and angry on people. That's life. That's what we do. Those emotions have to come out. But if we want to move forward, we've got to keep some of them intact. Because we shouldn't be led by our emotions. If we're led by our emotions, we're going to be in trouble. Because our emotions are like this. This minute I feel happy. This minute I feel sad. I've seen this over here and I'm really sad. Now I'm feeling like I'm getting into a place where I'm depressed. And now I'm happy again. And, oh, can't run your life through emotions. Got to be level. Last thing that I want to mention, and time is going, has gone. If you want your relationship to work well, if you want to have a building, a relationship that gets stronger, you need to be praying into that relationship. And I'm going to break this down just a little bit more. It's not just about praying for that relationship. That's important. But Christian, non-Christian, believer, not believer, you need to be praying for that relationship. That relationship with your boss. You've got to pray into it. Sheila was having a tough time at work. And she said, firstly, I'm not going to get caught up in the ticket tackle. I'm not going to be whinging and like that. I'm going to try and encourage people. But I need to pray for this situation. And she prayed. And in some of those situations, they changed because you prayed. Rob, I know Rob has been working for a month. He won't mind me saying this. And he was struggling with the change of routine and, and the, the job that he had. He got down to praying and it changed, didn't it? Your understanding, your, your thought process changed. That, okay, I'm here for a reason, Lord. What is that reason? So you've got to be praying into these relationships. If, 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 you're, if you're a Christian and you've got Christian friends, real good Christian friends who are in your life, I would encourage you, you need to pray with them. See, I, I don't want us to be a people, I don't want to be a person that says, you've got a problem, oh, I'll pray for you. And I have no intention in praying for it. But it sounds good. It sounds holy. It sounds like I've got your back. Do you know what? If you say you're going to pray for him or her, do it. And I find myself that if I say I'm going to pray for him, either I'm going to do it in the moment if it allows me to do it, or when I get in the car or I walk out the building or I go to my office, I take a few moments and say, Lord, whatever this situation is, whatever it is, I pray into that. And Lord, would you remind me to pray into this situation? Because I, I, I want to be respectful to this person because they feel that I could pray for them. So please be prayers. Philippians 1.9 says this, 
And this I pray that our love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment. We pray for wisdom. We pray for discernment. We pray for things in the relationships. Praying for people that they would get new jobs. Praying for people that their family situation would change. See, even Jesus takes it further than actually just praying for people in relationships. He says, pray for your enemies. Pray for the people that persecute you. Do we get persecuted in the UK? I, do believe, I believe we do, not in some lengths of other people do, but people are putting in your face that Christianity, that God, that Jesus isn't right, isn't the answer. In some way, they're trying to persecute you. And Jesus says in Matthew 5, 44, pray for those who persecute you. Wow. Wow. In fact, I'm going to come to a close now, but I want to just mention this. This is important when it comes to prayer. I think this is important when this comes to the strategy of this church and the way of moving forward. Now, Billy Graham is coming. Well, he's planning on coming, or, or Franklin Graham is planning on coming to the, to the country to preach the good news. And do you know that every stadium that he's due to go in is cancelled? Said he can't come. I know the area rep really well. And... Uh, he says, Nath, whatever happens, it's going to happen. If we've got to meet in parks, we've got to meet in whatever, we've got to do whatever. Do you know, when did our country become a place where we couldn't have freedom of speech? When did that happen? Where did it happen that it sent... I think it happened before then. But yeah. We're no longer a Christian country. Our freedom of speech is gone. What's happened? Somehow, if we're going to be a city on a hill, we're going to be a light in the darkness, we need to bring our freedom of speech back. We need to be, be okay with speaking up. We need to be okay with, with standing in the gap. And I want to encourage us that, one, we get behind the Billy Graham campaign. Franklin Graham, Billy's obviously gone to be with the Lord. And this campaign is, I am Andrew. And it's about introducing a friend to Jesus. Now, if we're going to see people one for Jesus, if we're going to connect, if we're going to be a sitting hill, light in the darkness, we need to pray for people. We need to bring people. We need to share to people. We need to follow up people. And what I want to encourage you to do, I've got a few here. I'm going to get some more. They're on this side here. Get hold of this, one of these cards and do me a favour. Put somebody's name on there who doesn't know Jesus. And pray. But do me a favour, bring the cards back, give them to me or put them in the offering basket that then we pray together. Because I want to pray for your friend. 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 Why? Because I want them to come to know Jesus. Why? Because Jesus can change our lives in an instant. Everything we're looking for is found in Jesus. So would you do that? I'll get a few more cards. Maybe you take one, put somebody's name on. I'm done.